During the late 1980s through to the end of the 1990s, I was completely obsessed with the world of the paranormal and supernatural. Of course, this interest continues well into my adulthood, but these days I have a more matured perspective. But growing up in a home with no religious or spiritual guidance, my only perceived access to information on the strange and unusual was through books, TV, coast to coast AM, and the movies. As far as I understood, the world of the strange and unusual was reserved for after 7pm and was usually filled with spooky, unsolved tales of the macabre. And I believed it all. In the next few episodes of The Dark Side of Lightwork, I will offer a short series exploring some of the things from the paranormal world that piqued my curiosity and scared me deeply at the same time. All of these stories being from the 80s and 90s. The first topic in this series is one that chilled me to the bones for decades. Have you heard of the black-eyed children? Welcome to The Dark Side of Lightwork. I'm Wynne Thornley. They say that all journeys begin somewhere, and my path into the unknown began fairly early in life, as early as kindergarten for sure. I was very aware that things were not always as they seemed, and that there were things that exposed themselves in the dark and the quiet of the night. There were many supernatural topics that gave me the willies, and the tales about the black-eyed kids was high on that list. I always thought I heard about these spooky kids on the show Unsolved Mystery, one from the years with Robert Stack. But the memory is a funny thing. At the onset of this research project, I found out that Unsolved Mysteries have never featured this paranormal tale. But a show called Monsters and Mysteries in America is credited for being the first mainstream show featuring this paranormal story. If this is your first time hearing about the Black Eyed Kids, let me offer you some insight into who they are and the origin story that started it all. Black-eyed children are said to be paranormal creatures that resemble kids between the ages of about 6 to 16. They are usually described as having pale skin and black eyes. And when you think black eyes, I want you to think no distinguishable pupil, iris, or sclera. Strangely enough, this feature is often not noticeable until it's almost too late for the unknowing adult approached. Those who report seeing black-eyed kids tell stories of them appearing as if out of nowhere. They're often said to be asking for rides home, begging on the street, and knocking on the doors of residential homes, with almost all accounts taking place at night. They may claim that they need to use the phone or that they're lost or that they want to see a movie, like in the case of Brian Bethel. But whatever they say, they all have one thing in common. These kids instill a sense of dread and fear in anyone who meets them, and this occurring before the would-be victim notices their darkened eyes. Some of the sources I came across claim these children have an almost hypnotic effect on those they approach. 
All of the stories recounted online share the feeling of dread overcoming those who encounter black-eyed kids, often resulting in the person giving in to the flight response they feel taking over their bodies. Various accounts across the internet claim tales of the black-eyed kids began appearing across a couple of timelines. I found one story that was said to originate in the 1200s, but it had little to no detail. And one story kept coming up from the 1800s, but there was really no date. And it only appeared in around when the original story hit the interwebs in the 1990s. The bulk of the claims mainly focus on cases said to have taken place in the 1990s and maybe some in the 80s. Most sources I came across agree that Brian Bethel's experience from the mid-90s is the first and most credible posting to the internet in regards to the black-eyed kids. And this is what he had shared. Brian Bethel recounts a strange experience he had in Abilene, Texas. And to be transparent, I had some trouble in the beginning finding Bethel's original account. The articles and videos that did come up at the onset of my research were pretty much carbon copied, but had one major detail that was unclear, the exact year and month that Bethel's account took place. All sources agree this event took place in the spring or summer, but reports conflict the year. Was it 1996 or was it 1998? Before I got too carried away, I took a step back and decided to look into Brian Bethel a little bit more and track down his original account. Here's what I found out. Living in Abilene, Texas, Bethel has been contributing articles to the Abilene Reporter News since April of 1997. Today, he is listed as holding the title as senior staff writer with the same news outlet. The last article I was able to pull up from Bethel was dated January 6, 2023, so very, very recent. I cruised through his list of articles and kind of skimmed the headlines. His niche seems to be community information and announcements, national news, and covering human stories of the Abilene area. So nothing really on the paranormal angle here. I was finally able to find an article about this creepy kid's encounter from the 1990s that was dated April 13th, 2013. This article was written by Bethel himself and for his mainstream news outlet. It was a follow-up article his colleagues asked him to write in response to his upcoming appearance on the TV show Monsters and Mysteries in America. In this article, Bethel explains that he originally only shared his black-eyed kids story with a small email group he was in. From there, he claims it was shared with the World Wide Web. Bethel goes on to share that he felt it was natural to separate his experience with the paranormal and the award-winning journalism the Abilene Reporter News offers. That's why he never offered the story idea in all of his time working there until he was asked to. Now, I won't take time to read through the whole article. It is fairly long. I have a link in my show notes for you to consider after this episode. But here are the Coles notes of Brian Bethel's experience with the black-eyed children. It was spring coming into summer and Brian Bethel found himself heading out after 9.30pm one night to drop off a check to his internet provider for his monthly dues. The internet provider that Bethel named was called Camelot Communications and I checked. This company did have some Google hits, though it appears they may have changed names or hands since then. 
As the story goes, the old location of Camelot Communications was located in a shopping mall that also had a cheapy movie theater. You know the ones, you pay a buck fifty and you see an old new release if you want to look at it that way. Bethel goes on to explain that as he was writing out a check for his monthly bill by the light of the theater marquee, he was startled by an abrupt knock on his driver's side window. Bethel became aware that there were two kids standing there staring at him. Bethel described the boys as young, between the ages of 9 and 12, and, quote, Boy number one was slightly taller than his companion, wearing a pullover hooded shirt with a sort of grey check pattern and jeans. I couldn't see his shoes. His skin was olive-coloured and had curly, medium-length brown hair. He exuded an air of quiet confidence. Boy number two had pale skin with a trace of freckles. His primary characteristic seemed to be looking around nervously. He was dressed in a similar manner to his companion, but his pullover was a light green color. His hair was a sort of pale orange. They didn't appear to be related, at least directly. Unquote. In Bethel's account, he initially thought all these boys wanted was cash. But as he rolled down his window to investigate, he immediately became overwhelmed with a sensation of panic and fear. He recalled how boy number one did all the talking, with the second standing back, yet still seeming to be communicating but on a different level. Bethel, with his window cracked, asked, Yes? With a mature dictation, boy number one went on to explain how his friend would like to see Mortal Kombat, but he happened to forget his money at home. Would he be willing to help them out and take them to his mother's house? Bethel looked at the playtimes and, realizing the last show was already running, he tried to politely blow them off. This didn't deter the closest boy from pressing. The boy began expressing his confusion as to why Bethel was hesitant to let them in the car. They were just kids after all, and it's not like they have a gun on them. This last exchange sent Bethel's flight response over the edge. He confesses it is only then that he realized the boys had deep, inky eyes. As this awareness was coming over Bethel, he realized his hand was reaching to open the locked doors of his car. He shook this feeling off with great effort and began rolling up his windows as he threw his car into reverse in an effort to get away from these kids. This was when the closest kid pounded on Bethel's window, shouting at him, shouting that they cannot come in unless Bethel lets them in. From that point, Bethel found himself peeling out of that parking lot in such a panic and speed, he was surprised no other vehicles got hit in the process. As he screamed out of the parking lot, he took one last look into his rearview mirror, and the boys were gone. Since coming out and talking about this experience with his private email group in what Bethel believes was 1996, he has been kind of like a black-eyed kid's contact. In that article from 2013, Bethel says he wishes he took greater care in his documentation of this creepy experience. As a writer, he did take care to write down the details at some point after his encounter, but all he could recall as far as timeline was he was wearing shorts at the time. Seems weird already, considering he could recall minute details like the outfits the boys were wearing. I took it upon myself to check into the release date of Mortal Kombat because what a great clue to verify timelines. 
The first in the movie franchise was released in the U.S. in August 1995. So 96 would make sense because of the cheapy movie theater. But Mortal Kombat Annihilation was released in 1997. And I recalled an article I found on Pararational.com that supposedly contained a copied version of Bethel's original account to his email group, which was dated January 16th, 1998. So it was really the article from 2013 written by Bethel himself that I will hold as most credible. And he figures 1996 by the most recent written account. He goes on to explain this in his segment on Monsters and Mysteries of America as well. Anyways, being a black-eyed kid contact was something Bethel goes on to talk about in his 2013 article for the Abilene Reporter News. He said in the early years after his story hit the internet, he was more than happy to answer questions and share his story with those who contacted him. Questions that would come in were related to who or what these kids were. Many people would share their experience and their suspicions, and this brought Bethel comfort. Just knowing his experience wasn't isolated was supportive. But over time, he began to pull away from the Black Eyed Kid questions. After all, he felt he didn't really have any answers, and he was pretty tired of the repetition of it all. By the 2000s, news junkets as far away as South Korea were asking Bethel for interviews. This is when Brian began declining media interviews and those contacting him about Black Eyed Kids through email and phone. Well, until Monsters and Mysteries in America came knocking in 2012. But after 2013, it appears as though Bethel steps away from the Black Eyed Kids limelight once again. Though his experience is the highlight in a chapter of a book titled Black Eyed Children's Second Revised Edition, published December 3rd, 2017. This book is a case study into the black-eyed kids and written by David Weatherly with a foreword by Nick Redfern. For those who are unaware, those are two big names in the world of the strange, unusual, and disclosure. So, are we to believe Brian Bethel on his word? No, Brian doesn't even ask that of you. He even admits that many of those who called into him over the years have no credibility and seem to be reaching for celebrity in their story. But others, the few, something seems to have happened to these people. So, what do people like David Weatherly, Nick Redfern, and other experts believe these spooky kids to be? There are lots of ideas. None of them are warm and fuzzy. The common consensus is that these children are either possessed, vampires, some type of demon or entity from the abyss, they could be related to the men in black, or the shadow people, or the hat man. And there are those who believe these strange children to be aliens that walk among us. But of course, no one really knows for sure, sure. And that's for a good reason. Tales of the Black-Eyed Children have generally been accepted as an urban myth. And I tend to agree with that at this stage in my life. Not only are most of these stories about friends of friends, but what they all seem to have in common is each tale is about a one-on-one experience with these children. And if we remember from past episodes, paranormal experiences are subjective. That doesn't mean something isn't happening to these people. 
But whatever is happening is being experienced through the filter of fear, which is a filter of great distortion. One other thought I want you to ponder on is how popular creepypasta stories have become online. And those fictional accounts run like wildfire all over the internet. Slenderman is a perfect example from today's younger generation creepypasta tales. Like Slenderman, the Black Eyed Kids accounts can be filed under fan fiction, even though these tales have said to generate real life experiences. The human mind is a beautiful thing, and it'll often fill in information that it cannot make sense of. For this episode, I'm going to unpack only one of those beliefs about the Black Eyed Kids, and that's that they are demonic beings. This is a world I have been enmeshed in, and I can say with confidence that I'm not buying it. And for one main reason. I took a fine-toothed comb through three books I have on demonology and a few others that cover aspects of this area of study. These resources are written by well-respected authors in the field. I was unable to find any mention of the Black Eyed Kids in any of these sources. All quote-unquote credible Black Eyed Kids stories are online or in video or talked about on podcasts. That all being said, I had come across an article online that mentioned Rosemary Ellen Guiley and her thoughts on Black Eyed Kids. Guiley was a top expert in the field of the paranormal up until her passing in 2019. With over 45 books on subjects like angels, demons, astral travel, and psychic abilities, I trust her perspective and curation of information, having several of her books myself. Back to what I read from this third-person account. This article said, Guiley believed the black-eyed kids to be some type of demonic being. But as I was scouring through her 2009 book, The Encyclopedia of Demons and Demonology, I couldn't find her mention anything about them. I also checked my copy of her Encyclopedia of Ghosts and Spirits just in case. I found nothing. So onto the interwebs I went. I headed to her official site and there was no shortage of blog posts, audio files, and videos. Guiley had been working in the field of the paranormal since the 1980s, so yeah, it is possible that somewhere in all of these online postings, she covered her thoughts on Black Eyed Kids, but I was not able to pull up anything that was readily available in my searching. The only thing I found right away was an interview she had with David Weatherly, the author and fellow paranormal expert who wrote the book Black Eyed Kids so I really didn't chalk it up to much at that time. There are other reasons why the demon theory doesn't work for me, and that relates to understanding the spiritual logistics around this stuff, but my main reason is the exclusion of any documentation of black-eyed kids in the books by those who live and breathe this stuff. One last thought I want to offer on this comes directly from my experience working professionally with clients and practitioners in the world of the paranormal. I have heard many people tell me about their experiences with shadow people, the hat man, tricksters, alien encounters, and parasitic infestations. Not one client has ever shared with me anything about black-eyed kids, and neither have any other practitioners. No dreams, no random encounters, or third-party stories. And I get a lot of questions in my inbox and at sociable events about the darker side of light work, not only from my colleagues and clients, but from those who are just curious about picking my brain about this stuff. So yeah, it all makes me wonder a little bit.
close this episode down, I will leave you with some friendly advice when bouncing around the internet looking for spooky tales of the unexplained. And this is old advice and it might seem a little cliche, but don't believe everything you see, read, or hear from the internet, books, and movies. We are our own intuitive radar. So I say jump into that radar, into that antenna, into that knowing that you already have. In my show notes, I have left you the video links, article links, and a reading list of some of the books that I found most valuable when I researched this episode. Be mindful about what your intuitive radar is telling you about the video links and the third-person account articles. I watched the YouTube videos claiming to capture black-eyed kids, and my psychic feels got nothing. I read the articles, and my claircognizance was led right to the halls of creepypasta and a good horror tale gone viral packaged as a true story. I thought about reaching out to Brian Bethel, but it is clear he is maintaining his story from 1996 or 1998 or when was it again? Oh, right. All he can remember is it must have been spring or summer with the shorts on and Mortal Kombat playing. I'm sorry, but if I had an experience like Mr. Bethel's as an adult, you bet my memory would be clear on the day, time, humidity index, and all major details from that event. But shock is something else, isn't it? I don't know. Back in the 90s, I was terrified of running into a black-eyed kid. But then again, I believed everything I saw and read at that time. And my sources were not that great. Hollywood and TV shows do a really good job at playing on our darkest fears. Another thing to consider is that many people will do or say anything to get their 15 minutes of fame. In the case of the Black Eyed Kids, in my opinion, it's being filed under urban legend. That is, until there comes to be some spectacular evidence that can be validated by two or more people from the time of the incident. Until then, I'm not interested. Though I've known for years now that the Black Eyed Children tale was less than credible, it was still refreshing to dive into the research and validate this knowing for my teenaged frightened self. Thank you so much for popping by and spending time with me today. I really appreciate you being here. Since I'm an independent podcast host and producer, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, a follow on Spotify, or a review on where you're listening to me right now would really help others find my show. And a quick share of this episode or others you like is also always appreciated. Outside of my podcast platforms, you can find me on social media by searching for The Dark Side of Lightwork with Wynne Thornley. If you like bonus content, I invite you to check out my exclusive Patreon community. Now, you can follow my Patreon community without subscription, which is great. I'm actually making a move from my social media pages to eventually only be sharing on Patreon. It's such a beautiful space of troll-free interaction. For those who choose to upgrade and contribute a monthly pledge in my Patreon community, just know that you really help with the growth and expansion of the Dark Side of Light work. I have lots of exclusive content available for those who contribute at the $5 tier. Content that's not available anywhere else. You get behind the scenes research, meditation audio files, bonus episodes, and virtual video tours. Any support is welcome, and I feel grateful for all the support I have already received. Thank you so much. I'm also expanding the conversation of my other passion of working with the empathic, psychic, intuitive, and mediumship community as a top mentor over on the Wisdom app. 
There you can find me going live throughout the month and there's a lot of archive talks as well. Wisdom is a blend of live radio and podcasting as all live conversations become archived so you can listen in later. Wisdom also offers the option to chat live with me. So I invite you, be my guest and join the conversation. Thank you once again for listening until the end. I look forward to dropping the next episode soon. So until then, take good care.